you want to find the person that best aligns with the job description, not the one who dresses better than the other or communicates better than another or has a degree from this school versus that one. No, you're aligning to the job. You're aligning to the job, the job, the job. Are you a business leader looking for strategies and tactics to help you navigate leadership and HR challenges as you scale? Each week on While We Were Working, we bring you our 35 plus years of experience doing exactly this for companies just like yours. For more game-changing HR and leadership insights and to connect with us, check us out at whilewewereworking.com. how to uh, administer stake interviews. There's so many different ways that it could be done, whether it's a small organization and everybody can, uh, you know, everybody can participate, or if there's a strategic approach to perhaps surveying a couple of uh, the most recent hires and then maybe some of your longest tenured team members, right? So you're kind of you're getting different perspectives, but I would recommend asking are things like, you know, what makes you stay at this company? Like, what are some of the things that you value the most? And then also asking questions like, you know, what would make you leave? And taking close note to what's important to these team members are going to help design what you may be offering that's no longer valued or what you're not offering that is valued. And again, the idea is creating a plan, a path forward with like how to tackle these items before they actually do leave. A stay interview essentially is a trust building exercise. It is a, it's a trust gauging exercise because you're going to see how forthcoming someone is on your team, but it's a trust building exercise because after the interview is over, you've got work to do to put things in motion that reflect to the employee, hey, what I disclosed was important enough to be considered and my opinion matters. When we were talking about this uh, just a couple of months ago, you know, we were having conversations about things that small businesses might be able to do to uh, attract more talent, right? Because the war for talent was so fierce. And one of the suggestions that we had was, you know, if you're not currently offering remote work and you can, and you've, you know, really held off on doing it up until this point, that's definitely something to consider doing. And I think this is just another testament to the same that, you know, there is such a demand for these remote jobs. And now the supply is becoming smaller. If you're, again, still competing for that top talent, you know, I think one of the takeaways from this article is that you're going to have a much larger talent pool to draw from. So I, I think that's the nugget of info that I took away. But I was really actually surprised to see that as companies are having team members come back into the office, that there's still so much of a strong demand for those remote positions. You know, I thought that um, there was going to be a segment of population who was looking forward to getting back into the office. I think that's still true, but I didn't expect such a shift to actually stick like I think what we're seeing now. Yeah. 
And I think it has to do with the once an employee has seen better, I think they they want better for themselves. And I won't give a value judgment of whether in-person is better than um, remote for every person. I think there are different folks who thrive in different environments and obviously different jobs that require different environments. But for those who have experienced maybe the uh, fully work from home or the hybrid environment and they got a taste of it and now that has been disrupted. Yeah. I mean, I, I talk to my friends all the time who are like, man, you couldn't, you couldn't pay me to go into the office anymore because <laughs> they have appreciated being able to remote in and work with their colleagues over, over video chat and collaboration tools. So. It'll be an interesting sort of micro economy that that plays itself out and just makes it one more uh, one more variable to the whole talent attraction and retention, you know, puzzle that we as employers are, are always just just navigating. I mean, here at Jumpstart, we're all remote. We're not building a daycare center, right? So what are some of the things that teams like us who are remote or um, small or don't have the big budgets like the Fortune 500s, what can they do to bring some relief to parents and use it as a retention strategy? Wait, you said we aren't building a daycare center? Uh, You must have missed that meeting, Joey, that we had that (laughs) said, um, since we have a lot of employees in the greater Maryland area, (laughs) and that since Joey has small children... And also a nanny that we were just going to start it at your house. See, you know what happens with girls on vacation? You miss meetings and now you got to, uh, you know, follow through with, with the team decisions. <laughs> All right. So so what are some of the things that um, what are some of the things that that businesses can do with small businesses, mid-sized? What can they do? What are you seeing where there can be some relief to uh, working parents? One of the options that's a moderately expensive would be uh, a childcare stipend. And so these can be direct payments that come to the employees based on any amount that the company chooses. Or uh, another idea is actually the company subsidizing uh, some of the childcare with specific childcare centers. So I seem to recall, uh, again, when my kids were in preschool, that there were a couple centers near where the main headquarters that I worked for was located and they had negotiated discounts for our employees. And then that employer would also offer a small subsidy. So there was a real incentive uh, for employees to utilize that center, you know, both in proximity discount and subsidy. So that's, that's one option. And some of the, the expenses that companies you know, may, may plan for in terms of amount is, you know, if you were to do something like this, the spend is approximately $10,000 per employee per year. Definitely not cheap, but if you think about, you know, if you have some very high performing employees or teams within your organization, not all of them are going to need this, but if you could afford $10,000 to keep them uh, one in the workforce and two within your company that could be money you know definitely well spent yeah not only well spent well invested because mm-hmm. I, I think about being a parent and if i know that my employer is contributing to 
um, the peace of mind of my kids, that that gives me peace of mind. I'll likely be more productive and I'll likely, uh, you know, have less call offs or uh, less days kind of being, you know, present at work, but not mentally there because something's going on. So it really is an investment. Um, the other thing I think too is when you think about that that ten thousand dollar number, and and you know there's also the dependent care FSAs, which is a, a whole other thing that's more structured and has tax tax um, benefits. You're not paying that all at once, and so you know it's a incremental thing that uh, you'd be able to do. So I, I see it as an investment, uh, a strategic investment in securing great talent. And attracting great talent too. It's something that can go on a job description. I love that you refer to it as an investment because I do think that that's the right way to to approach it when you think about the mindset and the value that spending this type of money from a business standpoint really should be viewed. One thing that I see with, with, with clients that we work with and even just, you know, Summer, I'm, I'm sure when you're out and about with friends or, or folks that may be hiring, that there's always that, you know, back in my day, we we did seven interviews and we, uh, you know, had panels and, you know, we really had to get the the recruit through the ringer. Um, I, I even think of that, that, uh, that saying, hire, hire slow and fire fast. I think now we have to revisit that hire slow and fire fast to say hire efficiently, train effectively, and then fire when there's no no chance that the person's going to to work out. So now part of it is, you know, getting the right people and getting to the right person quickly, but then realizing that there's a, a responsibility you have as a hiring manager to train, develop, and coach your way of success uh, and making sure that the, 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 the hire works out. That's solid advice. And I would also say that when we think about some of the things that can uh, help fast track the interview scheduling process, I would say um, one of the kind of older school practices is, well, we really want to see more than one candidate because we don't know how they compare. And I'm here to say that um, that approach is going to put a company at a serious disadvantage because, you know, you're looking for the grass to be greener or you're, you want to see if the grass is greener. And I'm going to say that also that if that's your approach, your grass is going to probably die before you have the chance to see if the other option is greener. I, I got to get on my soapbox here because that that is such a, a big pain point. And, and I want to make it clear for those who are paying attention to the show and you're paying attention because you care about a great experience. Otherwise, uh, a, a show about HR wouldn't even be of interest to you in the first place. But your comparison when you're evaluating candidates, you're you're not evaluating them to other people. You're evaluating them to the job description and the culture of your organization. So it doesn't behoove you to, you know, wait until you get all candidates and then you want to see some more and then you want to date some more. 
No, you want to find the person that best aligns with the job description, not the one who who dresses better than the other or communicates better than another or, you know, has a, a degree from this school versus that one. No, you're aligning to the job. You're aligning to the job, the job, the job. So um, I got to get off my soapbox, but but that is something that if if I see a, can, uh, um, a client try that approach, like oh, we're going to be here for a while because it's not going to work, and the best candidates are going to are going to are going to be gone. Yes, and you know it always pains me when uh, you know when when we actually have to uh, kind of watch this happen before. Uh, maybe a client or a hiring manager is willing to trust that what we're saying is true. But sometimes that, you know, that that's kind of the, the way that it might go. If you are in tech, it's a great time to start that side gig. It's a great time to launch that business. It's a great time to reach out to companies that have a tech need on a fractional basis, because with the economy resulting in less jobs being offered to tech talent at these bigger corporations, they still have tech needs and they still have niche niche uh, requirements. So there's a quote from the article that says that um, the number of job postings for software developers on freelancer.com, an online freelance marketplace, rose 54.7% in the third quarter on a year-over-year basis. That is the sharpest gain among more than 2,000 job-related skills tracked on the platform, Freelancer.com reported this week. So if you are um, in tech, if you are looking to get into tech by way of a boot camp or training or classes or going to school, start that company now and start offering your services now. You don't have to look towards uh, becoming employed. You can go to sites like freelancer.com or Upwork or Fiverr or wherever you you, um, feel comfortable showcasing your skills because there's a, a huge need. I can I can tell you in our company we are in the process of uh updating our website. Well, in order for us to tackle that project, we're not going to be cranking out new websites every year. So, we're going to be partnering with a freelancer who will produce the website. So, there's web development and web design. We're partnering with um some freelancers who can come in for the project and get it done. Uh at IBM um, the article says that 50% of their U.S. job offering do not require a four-year degree, and that's a big change. But what we're seeing with with folks in the small business space, maybe they're used to, uh, you know, what recruiting looked like and what hiring looked like when they were a hiring manager working at a company, and the level of scrutiny that you could have, and the uh, Ability to almost, you know, catch and release with the expectation of, oh, a better fish will come along. You like how I threw that uh, the fishing reference in there. Um, but, but, but now it's almost like you have to, you have to bring somebody to the dance and teach them how to dance. 
uh, because you otherwise may not get the right candidate that you're looking for at the right price point with the right timing. Uh, and so, yeah, big businesses are doing it like IBM. Small businesses have to adapt as well and start thinking more about the, the training and development pathways that you will, you will have for someone as opposed to getting a ready-made candidate off the street. Agreed. I'm really curious to see what this looks like five to 10 years from now, because with as much change as I've seen in you know the last 20 years, but most specifically the last several years, I mean, there's been so much change that I don't think anybody could have predicted, expected, or um, or planned for. And you know, now I kind of think about things a little bit differently, especially because I have kids who are you know who are either in college or going into college soon, and it makes me wonder, you know, like what is the value of a college de- degree going to look like ten years from now? Do I think that it will still have tremendous value? I do. But I think the reasons that individuals will be pursuing them um, will have to be different. Yeah, Summer, I, I don't know. I think um, I, I think there are so many variables into what work is going to actually mean and who is working and even what's working uh, with, with AI and machine learning and bots that uh, maybe there will be particular industries that are... Um, education proof, right? Like, like get your degree to do these fields. But then there are others that are going to just be, you know, go to this trade school, learn how to manage the the robots that are doing the work and, you know, set yourself up for success. So it'll be interesting. I think there's a long, a long road ahead. Um, but for where we are right now, uh, employers, managers who are out there listening to this conversation, hire that person and coach them along the way (laughs) so if you're looking for a sign this is it hire and train (laughs) yeah for more game-changing hr and leadership insights check out whilewewerworking.com